0: Hello and welcome to PW Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Settlers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with illustrator-turned-author Pam Smy. Her first book, Thornhill, is being published later this year, and it alternates between a narrative composed of diary entries and a parallel silent story told entirely through black and white images. The novel arrives in August from Roaring Book Press, an imprint of Macmillan Children's Publishing Group, which is sponsoring this podcast. Readers begin Thornhill in the present day, where a girl named Ella has just moved into a new house with her parents. After spying another girl on the grounds of the abandoned orphanage next door, the lonely Ella ventures onto the property, setting off a dangerous chain of events. Meanwhile, in alternating sections readers can peruse the diary entries of a girl named Mary who lived at the orphanage during the 1980s while it's under threat of closure. Uh, Thank you for speaking with me, Pam.
1: Thank you for having me to talk here.
0: So I believe you've illustrated some picture books over the years, uh, a book of lullabies called Hush Baby Hush for one, I think. Um, But what made you start thinking about writing and illustrating for an older audience?
1: Well, I've done quite a few books that are for an older end audience. Um, I've done... short chapter books for Siobhan Dowd and um, Linda Newbery, And I really loved working that older end of fiction. And I was working for a particular publisher and he said, come in and bring your portfolio and bring me anything in the world you'd like to work on. And I was so excited and then full of dread at being given a wonderful opportunity and not necessarily knowing what I was going to do. And, and Thornhill has grown out of me having a big brainstorm about what I would do if I could do anything in the world um, with my dream publisher. So that's what happened.
0: Hmm. And, and what was the starting point um, for this particular story? What was it that sort of Thornhill grew out of?
1: I, well, I'm an illustrator, as you've mentioned, first and foremost, and I keep a sketchbook with me most of the time. I was feeling completely lost to know what I was going to do. And I went for a long walk around Cambridge and found, walked past in a, an abandoned house, a house that's completely boarded up and it had a wall around it um, with keep out signs and builders signs. It's up for development. And we don't see those kind of abandoned buildings here in Cambridge very often. It's a very wealthy city. And that got me thinking about the history of that place and what it would be like. And and a building that is forbidden to go into. And when I, once I began thinking, I went home straight away. I did a drawing there and then in my sketchbook on site, and then I went home and I adapted that that building. And the character of Thornhill the house was the thing I thought of first. And then I thought, well, who would live there? And how would you tell that person's story? And from that work and from those drawings grew Thornhill, the house, grew Mary, who lived there, and Ella, the child that we follow in every day, today's life.
0: And out of curiosity, did you end up doing any research into the the real life abandoned structure or did you just use it more of as a visual jumping off point?
1: No, I didn't. I couldn't get in.
0: <laughs> it was, <laughs> of, it was,
1: it was uh, In that particular house, I could never actually go there. It was completely um, forbidden to the public. I couldn't get in. And later on, when I was working on Thornhill, I was doing lots and lots of outside scenes and interiors of a of a regular house, and it got to the bit where I knew I was going to have to draw the inside of Thornhill, and I just couldn't. I couldn't imagine what it would be like. Uh, so I got in my car and I drove um, down down the um, uh, down a bypass until I found an abandoned pub, and I went. I explored that pub with my sketchbook, and. I was, it was an amazing place to go into, but it was the most frightening place I had ever been. It was full of graffiti and, and broken glass and this, the place had been smashed up and nature was growing through the carpets and through the walls. And, and from being there, although I couldn't draw, I wrote a list of everything I could see. And from, from being able to go into that building... I could then go back and think, oh, I know what the inside of Thornhill would look like. It might have this in it. It might have that in it. And from that, from that little pub um, by the bypass, I could then imagine the grander, abandoned interiors of Thornhill.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, and we certainly don't need to give away uh, too much of this story. There's a lot of twists and turns. But you know, when you have a structure like this, this, this abandoned Thornhill Institute, did the idea of sort of telling a ghost story of sorts come very quickly? out of that, if you even think of it that way?
1: I, no, actually. The idea of it being a ghost story didn't particularly occur to me. I wanted two different, I wanted two different times and I wanted two very different personalities. Uh, my, My main concern was trying to tell a story about a child who, who had a story to tell and and couldn't be heard that nobody was was interested in her situation and nobody was listening and I think that that that's a theme that feels quite universal to many of us when we're in our teens um only in Mary's case it's quite extreme and it was mostly from from that her situation from her story that that I wanted to to have a particular drive to tell that story rather than um there being a ghost story element to it,
0: and as far as you know, the structure of the book. Um, how did that take shape? How did you did you did you know early on that you really wanted one of these narratives to be purely visual, essentially?
1: Yes, I did. I I think of myself um, as an illustrator first and foremost, and I really wanted to work on something that was darker in tone than many of the wonderful uh, novels that I'm being given to work on, and I thought first and foremost as an illustrator of coming up with something that was brooding in terms of the imagery and that the words the diary entries for me were secondary to that it was just another way of trying to tell that illustrated story and so for me it's driven by the illustration i also teach um illustration and i i teach sequence in particular and when I was given this opportunity to, to go to the publisher and come up with anything I'd like to do in the world, I thought, I'm going to come up with something that's really going to challenge me and stretch me as an illustrator and and see how I could could exercise those illustration muscles to come up with something I've never done before. So those were the kind of elements I was juggling with when I set myself that project.
0: Did you realize at a certain point that within Ella's section, you might need a little bit of text provide the occasional clue, you know, a note from Ella's father, um, you know, a a newspaper clipping, that sort of thing, just to give a little context?
1: Yes, I did. And um, those written elements within the picture sequences, within the visuals, became very important because, uh, because we want those worlds to merge to make sense of the story. So I was very aware that at some point, um, there would need to be a fusion of what, what we were seeing and the way that we were reading it.
0: And as far as the art, what mediums were you using? How did you, uh, how did it come together?
1: Um, I, I love pen and ink. I'm, I collect dip pens and dip pen nibs from antique shops and junk shops and car boot sales and these things. Um, and I have a favorite brand of black ink that I always use. But for Thornhill in particular i used emulsion paint you know the regular paint that you paint the walls of your house with i bought um pots of sample pots of three types of gray and i would the tonal work is those three colors of gray um with and when that's dry i then put the the pen and ink black line work on top
0: and you know i have to assume that there's hundreds of illustrations you know full spread illustrations for this book um how long have you been working on this
1: Um, the 165 spreads, actual paintings in the book, took me nine months of work. They each take between eight and 12 hours each. Um, but the main part of working on the book was the editorial process. It was me doing lots and lots of rough drawings and trying to get the sequence right and the pacing the story right and then taking that to the editor's. And the designers and saying, "Does this work?" And they would give me feedback, and I would go away and rework that. And in all the, the, that backwards and forwardsing, um, which is essential and was really fascinating and exciting, took three years. So it's been a it's been nearly four years of work.
0: Mm-hmm. And were you simultaneously working on the writing portions on those diary entries?
1: The diary entries were quite straightforward and quite swift to write we would go backward and forward so the editors might say oh does this need a bit of a change or tweak for this entry um and, and that would ha- evolve at the same time but the writing element was was a fraction of the work of the of the actual illustration part it, it is mostly told through the, the pictures and they were very labor intensive so the the actual written element uh, wasn't as time-consuming
0: You know, there's also these completely blacked out spreads every time we switch between uh, Ella and Mary's sections. And I was just curious, what was the thinking behind that as a design decision?
1: It was to have a real separation, to give the reader a pause, or a moment to, one, work out the pattern of what was happening. Uh, I think we would would read, we're, we're used to reading, we're all used to reading picture books or chapter books, Novels where we're used to seeing illustrations interspersed with text as we go along, and newspaper articles, even. You know, we're very used to seeing it. And to make it really clear that we were switching between one person's story and another, we needed some kind of visual break. I, I needed it to be really clear that when you look to Ella unpacking her boxes in her modern day house, that you weren't assuming that that was the same person that was writing in 1982. So those, that, that gap should be reinforced in some of the details you see in the images, um, but also that, that sense of black um, space between them gave you a visual separation. That also meant that towards the end, when um, hopefully things are, are hotting up, in terms of the narrative, you're cutting between much quicker passages of visuals and diary and that you, you are, you have the black pages that are giving you the break between those as you, as you speed through.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, things definitely get very dark in in many senses toward the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You did mention this briefly, but um, you're you're teaching now as well. And I believe you're, you're actually teaching where you studied, right? You, you studied illustration at at Cambridge, correct?
1: Yeah, I have. I, um, I studied illustration back in the nineteen nineties, and as an undergrad, and then I studied. I specialised in children's book illustration um, in two thousand and one, and since then I've been teaching at the place that I've studied, and um, I've been there as a part-time tutor ever since. Um, I really love my teaching job. It's I get to speak every day about pictures and about how text and image work together and I get to speak to people who are passionate and geeky and obsessed about pen nibs for example or types of paper or how stories work or other illustrators I learn so much about the subject I'm passionate about from those students and they they introduce me to new work and I get to tell them about people I love and and it's a really exciting environment to to work in um and also the the standard of talent out there in illustration is so high it really makes me want to up my game and um again another reason why I needed to set myself a a, quite a strong challenge I thought I'm I'm seeing people on a daily basis who are published being published around the world are are passionate and excited and I thought you know I'm going to give that a bit of a go myself so that was part of the reason for um, they are an inspiration as far as working on Thornhill is concerned.
0: And uh, did your own interest in, in illustrating children's books grow pretty directly and quickly out of your your time at Cambridge the first time around?
1: Um, uh, yes, I, I worked in a children's bookshop shop um, straight after I graduated. I studied general illustration, but I worked in children's bookshop. shop. I ran a, a family library in in the community here. There was something about the very all the different types of children's books you could get. I, I particularly loved folk tales. I loved um, uh, picture books, particularly. I loved seeing black and white illustration in chapter books, and I, I think that gets overlooked a lot. But for me, I I thought that's such a rich subject. It's such a a rich area of publishing and of illustration that I I I just wanted to be around children's books and children's yeah. publishing forever and um uh so being able to go from book selling and then I became a book buyer um then I and I've carried on working in libraries and then I, I began working as a lecturer once I specialized so so for me that that particular aspect of, of my dream has, has has happened I just I have my toe in 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 lots of different um publishing paddles or pools if you like
0: and uh, I, I got the sense that uh, Thornhill is coming out basically essentially at the same time, both uh, at, in the UK and here in the US. Um, do you have uh, any plans at the moment? Uh, does your schedule allow you to come here at all? Anything like that?
1: Um, I, I've i not thought about going to the US and I haven't been invited yet. But John, if you want to invite me over, I'll be very happy to come. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm just starting working on the next book at the moment. And I'll be back teaching part-time when I, in, when new students arrive in September. So uh as as yet, I'm just waiting to see what happens uh, when Thornhill comes out. I'm I'm really interested to know what readers think of it and how they feel about it. I'm I've I've seen a few re- reviews from the states, and uh, the main word that seems to be coming out is creepy, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is great uh, and not something I had ha- peculiarly not something I had thought of when I was writing it. So I'm really excited to know what's going to happen once it comes out.
0: Well, to be fair, there are a lot of disembodied doll parts uh, hanging around uh, the Thornhill Estate.
1: <laughs> well, really, I, uh, my uh, daughter and I, uh, when my daughter was, uh, she, had, she had piano lessons and I would go and drop her off. And a few doors down from where she would have the piano lessons was an antique shop. And there was a lovely woman called Janet there. And every time I'd go in, she goes, oh, I've got this bag of dolls for you. And she'd go off to the auctions and she'd find me uh, bits of you know some sometimes crates of dolls or doll parts and so my studio at home was was full of them and um and i did lots of drawings uh drawings of them or we'd, we would make our own dolls from bits of bits of other dolls or we would buy china dolls and, and break them up my daughter and i would break them up ourselves and, and see how creepy we can make them um so it seemed quite naughty to be doing it but uh it was a lot of fun
0: and i uh, you, you i think you alluded to this uh, briefly but is there anything next uh, other book projects you can talk about at all
1: i've just started working on a, another book that's in a similar format but not diary entry but text and image and will be a murder mystery uh, but that's all i'm going to say because if it's anything like Fallen Hill*, it's going to be several years of work and i don't want to i don't want to spoil all what happens in it yet
0: very good. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, and in the meantime, congratulations again on this book and thanks for speaking with me.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, John. It's great to talk to you.
0: Once again, I've been speaking with Pam Smy, whose new book, Thornhill, is out in August from Roaring Brook. Thank you for listening to PW cast.